We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I just got to say, your timing on the transition from the countdown to the intro screen, impeccable. Last time, there was like a, a slight a, uh, a slight clip of us that just like kind of popped on the screen, but this time you got a perfect Friday, man. Well, see, that's with the with the magic of editing. I'm not sure if, we, if everyone knew that, but you're right. I am getting better <laughs> at uh, at the at the timing here, We're getting, making sure that we get this going right. But uh, excited to talk with you today, man. It's been a little bit here. Uh, right now, it's just me and Greg. We'll have Adam back here in the mix on uh, during the week here. We'll have a few more quick hits for you guys. Got an interview lined up coming up earlier, uh, early this week, I should say, here that I'm really excited about that we'll have coming out. But for today... It's a Sunday fun day. Let's have a little fun. It's the off season. This is, you know, one of one of the good times of, of having a podcast. Greg's having a beer here on a Sunday. So hopefully that means we're gonna get a little bit of loopy Greg here, which is always this is always a little fun, little fun mix. But we're gonna talk about the Hall of Fame weekend and then on the back half of this podcast. We're going to continue with our list because that's what we do right now. We're we're ranking stuff, we're making lists, and we're gonna Pissing rank people the, off. Pissing people off, getting people to hey, we're creating combo, we're creating content over here. We're gonna do the top five shooting guards in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but Greg, let's start with the Hall of Fame, man. It was the Hall of Fame weekend. And I was thinking about this today. Have you actually ever been to the Hall of Fame in Springfield? Like physically been there? You I haven't been there. I, I uh, do my best to avoid Springfield, Massachusetts. <laughs> what's, a, what's the reasoning behind that? It's a shithole. That's true. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, that's the uh, the reputation. I've literally been there, I think, <laughs> twice. And it isn't um, Six Flags is near Springfield, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm mixing that up. Either way, I've so I've been. To, I know I've been to the Hall of Fame once, but I was like a child, so I was. It was a long, long time ago. Enjoyed it, but I was kind of thinking like. You know, it, it's tough when living in Austin, when we go back to Boston to squeeze in a trip to Springfield, just not necessarily, you know, the easiest trip for us to make while we're out there. But I feel like I should get back to the Hall of Fame at some point to go check it out. But this weekend, you know, it's always cool when these clips start coming out, though, right? You just see 
the gathering of all these legends that were there, you know, past Hall of Famers, the Hall of Fame class, which we'll talk about here in just a second that was going in, you know, Jason Tatum, other current players uh, that were in the mix as well. And, you know, hearing some of the stories from these guys that, you know, go back to some some of their playing days, some it's about stuff that happened, you know, off the court. And then with this particular Hall of Fame class, this is, a, you know, it, it's, a pr- it's a pretty loaded class, right? So the main guys that I looked at were obviously Coach Popovich, and then you got Dirk, you got Pau Gasol, you got D-Wade, you got Tony Parker. Correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, D-Wade was one of your favorite players for a long time, correct? Oh, probably my favorite player. Yeah. Uh, so my shout out to our guy, Phil Keefe, who's who's doing big things right now in the movie industry, just released a new movie called Mother May I. You can get that on Apple TV. Um, Phil and I, you know, he was big time athlete at Milton Academy and I, you know, rocking my Boston Latin gear today. Shout out BLS. Um, Phil and I used to compete with each other all the time and we would play one-on-one constantly. And Phil's favorite player and the person that he modeled his game after was Manu Ginobili. And I always modeled my game after D Wade to the extent to which I was not a superb above the rim athlete, but you know, I try, I tried to play well, like in, in Austin when you're like six feet tall and you play the two guard, it's, you know, th- there's just not that many, at least w- especially when we were growing up that really fit that build. Yeah. It was like, was I going to be Ricky Davis or was it going to be D Wade? I was going to be D Wade. Yeah. So we would always, you know, in the backyard, 15, 16 years old, we would pretend, I would pretend I was D Wade. He was pretend he would pretend he was mine Ginobili. I had a D Wade Jersey. That was one of the only, I had like a D Wade Jersey. I had a Dwight Howard Jersey back when he when he was on the magic oh yeah we, we, we've talked about the dwight howard jersey incident on this <laughs> podcast before but yeah d wade was was my guy and to what was really cool for me watching you know i didn't watch the whole ceremony but i watched clips of it the fact that d wade paid homage to alan iverson and he talked about how much say, that was ai really cool. Did you see the jacket him. ai had when he, he had the the d wade jacket so cool man yeah. so cool and just to like see that you know, as much as I, I loved AI too. Like when I was probably nine, 10 years old, I had all the AI. AI gear, was the right? coolest. Yeah. The answer armband, the headband, the finger bands, all that stuff. And D Wade even mentioned how he wore an arm sleeve because Alan Iverson wore an arm sleeve. And yeah. to think that this guy who was such a generational player for, and, you know, a transformational player for so many kids had the same influences when he was growing up and he looked at Allen Iverson and he aspired to be like Allen Iverson. And it really made me think about like the comments that, that we were making recently on the pod when we were talking about T-Mac, right? It, how our lives would have been different if Tracy McGrady was on, on the Celtics versus we're taking Davis, Davis right now, <laughs> but versus a Ricky Davis on the team. And it's just, it's just so beautiful to see the, the humanity um, and like that veil come down where you see, oh, this is, this was just a kid at one mm-hmm. point who had a dream and he, he achieved his dream. And obviously we can talk about the conversation, the, the shout out that he had for his dad. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, black don't crack. Uh, D Wade's <laughs> D Wade's dad looks like he could be his brother, man. Like it's, it is pretty crazy to see that. And, and you know, I think just well, real, real quick, but real yeah. quick, have you ever called your dad dog? Oh, hell no. Come on now. <laughs> I mean, for those who don't know, I'm adopted. My dad's white as as Wonder Bread. You know what I mean? Like that just that that has never been a thing. But yeah, it is interesting to think about the dynamic, right? Of yo, we in the hall, dog. <laughs> we made it to the hall. Like to say that to my dad would never be a thing that would cross my mind. He he would probably look at me. He would have to ask several times. Excuse me. <laughs> what? 
Like it would, it would be a very awkward conversation, but you know, looking at this hall of fame class, Greg, I think for me, and you know, it's just, it's just, it's making me feel a little old. If I'm going to be honest, because these are all, like you said, these are all the guys that we grew up watching that, you know, in reality, as you get older, it's like, Oh, these guys are, you know, in their early forties, they're 43. We're, we're, you know, I'm turning 34 next week. You know, you're 34 already. It's like, Oh, we're really not that different. Like, I interact with 43. Year- I see 43 year olds all the time. I talk to them all the time. I hang out with, you know, with, with people that age and, and, and growing up, they felt, you know, it's, it's this, as a kid, there's a certain illusion when you're watching these athletes, you're like, Oh my God, like, I can't, I can't, I want to be them when I grow up. And like, I, I want to, you try to emulate them. Like you just said in the backyard. And then as you get older, you're like, Oh, we're, we're just two adults now. But like, it's, it's crazy to see these guys going through the hall of fame now. And like, as a kid, you see, you know, whoever it was that was, was going in that we heard about from like our fathers and from, you know, like all of our coaches growing up about, you know, whether it's Larry Bird or Magic Johnson, we never really saw them. And it was like, oh yeah, that was, that was, you know, that was cool. But now that it's the guys that we watch their entire careers, it's kind of wild to think about. Yeah. And like, you know, basketball there were definitely more white guys on the court back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier, black don't crack, right? So like all the guys that are a little bit older and like retired right now, they don't look that different from when they were playing. But you take a guy like Larry Bird, yeah, or like like early in his career to when he was a coach and a little beyond that, he just looked so goddamn old to me. And you know, growing well, up, because it was before YouTube, so it was hard. I mean, we could see some highlights because we lived in Boston, so people would be, you know, whether it's on Sports Center or it was on local whatever. But like, it was harder to imagine that guy being like that's the guy that was like everyone says is like a top 10 player all time i know mikhail looking like fucking frankenstein it's <laughs> <laughs> like how were how were these guys these like crazy athletes so you never really made the connection like and i don't know if it's because we were young and people that were above 40 at the time just looked really old to us and now mm-hmm. that we're closer to that age it just doesn't seem that different yeah um but it's it's just so wild to think about that we've seen all these guys play their entire career and like the Tom Brady's of the world, the David Ortiz's, all these guys that we grew up and they're just passing through our lives. And now we're getting to this new point in our fandom where we're admiring guys that are in their early twenties, sometimes (laughs) teenagers. And it's like, Oh, this is just, this is just a kid. You know, know, like I think about the it's a, it's a whole new perspective, right? And when we talk about like especially when we just use the Jays as an example, right? Like there's this weird struggle in my brain where it's like these are kids that are, you know, 25 and 26 years old or whatever, you know, whatever they are, 25 to 27. But then there's a part of me that's like these guys have been in the NBA for 8 years. It's now or never, which is like a ridiculous thing to say, but like both sides are kind of true in, in different ways. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard as you get older to really find like the, the, the happy medium between those two thoughts. Yeah, man. And like, I mean, my cousin Josh, who's going to USC next year, shout out to Josh yeah. Moy. Uh, but USC, like, California or USC, South Carolina? California. California. Hell yeah. yeah. Good for him. Yeah. So he's going to USC next year, not to play basketball. But he's going to get to see some good basketball. He's gonna Hopefully, get to see Ronnie's okay. Basketball. And I know exactly. they have another top recruit there, too. I can't think of his name right now. Exactly. Right. So, like, when I'm thinking about Josh and how he's idolizing, like, Bronny, when we grew up idolizing LeBron, you know, it's just so funny to see the difference in, in generations and how he he's going to have this entirely different perspective on 
brawny than we are where we're just like oh it's lebron james's son and he's like it's brawny like this is this is my guy this is my generation um and to to think about the journey that the younger generations today are going they're growing up with all these different people they have such a different perspective and um it's really making me really making me have some deep thoughts right now (laughs) (laughs) to pivot this uh a little bit you know i was kind of looking through just the the hall of fame class at you know, these different guys and in, in their careers. And, you know, you think of Dirk and Wade, I think stick out the most to me as far as just like their place in history. Right. I mean, we just had, uh, you know, where Adam and I were talking about the, the viral clip of Paul Pierce versus, versus Dwayne Wade. And, you know, I, Listen, both guys were great. We both settled that Dwayne Wade's probably is slightly higher tier than, than, than Paul Pierce. No shade of Paul. I mean, they're, they're, they're both Hall of Famers. You know what I mean? And then I was thinking about Dirk, right? And if you think back to Dirk's 2011 championship run, it's pretty wild thinking about it in, in retrospect. So if you, I think LaMarcus Aldridge will probably make the hall of fame at some point, probably not going to be a first ballot, but I think he has a pretty good case to be, to be in the hall of fame. So if, if we count LaMarcus Aldridge as a future hall of famer, he beat nine hall of famers in one playoff, including LeBron James and Dwayne Wade at the peak of their powers. You like, got the list. So I have, yeah, so the whole list here would be, I was looking this up earlier. So it would have been LaMarcus Aldridge in the first round against the Blazers. Second round, it's Powell and Kobe right after they just won two championships in three years. That's crazy. Western Conference Finals, he goes up against the one year too early, but can't act like these dudes weren't balling when they were young. It's Westbrook, it's Harden, it's KD. You know, you can throw young Serge Ibaka in there as well. Obviously not Hall of Famer, but still just that Thunder team was on their way to making their run. And then you get to the Heatles and you have Chris Bosh, you have LeBron James, and you have Dwayne Wade. That's an insane run, especially where he didn't have a current, there was no current all-star on that team next to Dirk. Mm -hmm. Like he had solid guys around him. But they were a three seed with, you know, Jason Kidd and Jason Terry and, you know, uh, John Chandler. Yeah, exactly. Like they I mean, they had some guys, but not to that level of the Hall of Fame dudes that he rolled through. I'd have to I haven't really thought about this too much, but it, it might be the most impressive championship that you can put for like a top tier guy to say this championship meant more than whatever other championship you want to compare it to this one meant more because who else did this guy have and here's the list of who he beat absolutely yeah and you know shout out shout out Derek that was one of the craziest runs and as it was happening I remember thinking there's no way that the maps are going to beat this team there's no way the maps are going to beat that team they get through the Lakers and you're like wow they actually beat the Lakers like I thought the Lakers were kind of unbeatable at that time and when you get against the Heat and you're expecting the Heat to just dominate basketball, right? And they did, obviously, making it to four straight four straight finals. Yeah. But that was the series where Braun and D. Wade were mocking Dirk, right? I think it was after game two, Dirk was sick. Um, mm-hmm. and, and D. Wade and Braun were kind of like coughing. They caught on camera kind of coughing and mocking his illness. And then he came back and just destroyed them where they couldn't even, you know, they, they had all those great athletes and Dirk who's you know not the greatest athlete in the world was able to just use his size and skill and his shooting prowess and just take them to the promised land and obviously Sean Marion had a huge part in that Tyson Chandler that's like around the same time Roy Hibbert was a valuable piece mm-hmm. the rule of verticality and LeBron just struggled in that series because of the the size of Sean Marion the size of Tyson Chandler at the at the rim 
but then Jason Terry doing his thing, JJ Barea doing his thing and Dirk Nowitzki, um, you know, now a hall of famer was making his stamp as this is my moment as a future hall of famer. Yeah. I mean that, that single series is in my opinion, probably the biggest blemish on LeBron's track record. If you're really having that, that goat debate, you know, like I looked at it today, how many points per game do you think LeBron averaged in that finals? It was not a lot. It was in the teens, right? Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. seven, it was, it was just over 17 points per game. Yeah, and he had one game, on game where he had eight points. Yeah, it, so it's it's really crazy to think about how much that championship boosts Dirk and any type of greatest power forward. I think I would follow Tim Duncan. If we're going to count Tim Duncan as a power forward, it's Tim Duncan hands down. But then if you're trying to talk about Dirk, KG, Barkley, Malone, like – Dirk has a really good case for two, and it's certainly elevated, you know, by that championship. Whereas then LeBron, the other side, you know, really gets uh, really gets dinged, in my opinion, for that one. A lot of the other stuff that you know with LeBron and his championship record, you could find ways to kind of talk around it. That's one that's really hard to look past with his performance, and then the final result. But let's take a quick break. I got one more question I want to ask you about, uh, kind of Hall of Fame related, and then we'll jump into our top five shooting guards in the East. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Greg. So to, to put a bow here on our Hall of Fame talk, I was curious. You know, this is, this is somewhat Hall of Fame related, but you just mentioned Sean Marion, and it kind of made me think because he's going to get his number retired by the Phoenix Suns this upcoming year, along with Amari Stoudemire. Uh, I think rightfully so and rightfully earned. But this then came up in our Celtics blog Slack channel um, a few days ago as we were having this. They were having kind of their final farewell to Marcus Smart. And the question came up, should Marcus Smart's number be retired by the Celtics. Now the Celtics infamously have, you know, are they're running out of numbers, right? Like there's already a lot of numbers that are in those rafters. I think some you could probably make some certain arguments for one way or the other. Most pretty, pretty fairly deserved. Marcus Smart, nine-year Celtic career, defensive player of the year. Some would argue was kind of the face of his time here, especially post the big three modern era of KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Where did you fall? Where do you fall on that debate of do you think Marcus Smart did enough to get to get his jersey retired? I mean, no. Short answer, no. I think the argument can be made just because of how much he embodied like the blue collar nature of Boston, you know, and just like the type of player that he was. And I know we rank everything based off of championships, and Marcus Smart obviously never won a championship in Boston, but that does almost undervalue 
when players do things like win the Tommy award every single year, like Marcus Smart would do, um, dive on the floor for loose balls, take charges, get the crowd pumped up, have, have all these moments where you're like, that's what you want a Boston Celtic to be. So if we're only judging people going up into the rafters based off of championships, which are insanely difficult to do, like I, I see the argument for being like, Hey Marcus, you are exactly what we want a Boston Celtics player to be, especially when you consider his work in the community and all that. So like, I can see the argument for it. My pushback is that, you know, Rajon Rondo, who had a great career in Boston, is not in the rafters. Fucking Brad Wanamaker was wearing number nine as recently (laughs) as 2021. So that's my argument against Marcus going up into the rafters is that Rondo won a championship, you know, came up in the organization just like Marcus did. I think technically wasn't drafted by the team, right? Technically, we got him in a a deal with the Suns. Um, But I think... If Rondo's not in the rafters, I can't see the argument for Marcus being in the rafters, and that's yeah. kind of where I stand on it. But I, I really do see the argument of just like everything that Marcus embodies, let's send him up there because that's what we want our players to do. Yeah, I just think you start to set you start to set a certain precedence that like you know these like you can't just be putting all role players up in the up in the rafters. That's kind of what it comes down to, right? Because mm-hmm. you look at Rondo, you even look at Ray Allen, who's not up there yet. You potentially could go up there at some point. You know, like those guys were multi-time All Stars and champions with the Celtics, and you know that's kind of typically the criteria that you'd look to for guys that are going to have their numbers retired. And so while Marcus, you know. Love and trust, Marcus Smart story. You know that's the name of the of his of his book really about his Celtics career. But I, I just don't. I I just think for me, I like that sometimes it's hard. Like things should be hard. Everyone wants to be yes. Let's let's welcome everybody in. Let's do this or that. Like you know, there's times where like I even said earlier, Lamarcus Aldridge is going to get into the Hall of Fame. I think I wish I kind of wish that there was more of a debate around it. But I feel like he's probably just going to get in. Like I don't think that it's going to be like like Mitch Richmond's in the Hall of Fame. And there's guys that you can find that are, you know, like I think, you know, Ben Wallace and Dennis Rodman, like were they were they enough to be in the Hall of Fame? I think I think it should be more of a question, but they both got in pretty easy. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's, it, I, I like that there's a barrier of entry for certain things. And so if we're, if we're going to start saying that, you know, Ray Allen who made three, four all-star games in his five years and won a championship, Rondo made four all-star games and won a championship. If those guys aren't going to get in, I don't think you can put a guy in there who played nine years. Yes, he won a defensive player of the year award, couple defensive all NBA defensive NBA teams, but it's just it's just not quite enough to that level to put it into the rafters. So I, I think we both fall in this, the same place in that argument. But it's fun to it's fun to talk about though. And Marcus, obviously, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird seeing him in a Grizzlies uniform. And who knows? He still has potentially, you know, another five, six, seven, eight years of his career that could turn out differently. Maybe he turns in maybe he turns Tony Allen and he turns into a Grizzlies legend more than he is a Celtics legend. Just like we think about, you know, KG's got kind of that split divide between the T Wolves and the Celtics. So yeah. who knows? Still a lot to be played out. But speaking of being played out. This upcoming season, we've been ranking all of the different positions. So far, we have done the top five point guards in the East. Shout out to Jalen Brunson and Team USA getting a couple of wins out exhibition. Saw an awesome, saw a nasty clip of Jalen Brunson earlier today. Did like kind of a double in and out dribble, got through the lane, and then a one-handed pass to the corner to Cam Johnson. That dribble, you know what that reminded me of? Like peak Stefan Marbury, just left-handed. Like okay. it's the, the Stefan Marbury high crossover that he used to have, 
You know, like Iverson had the most iconic crossover of like the 2000s, but Marbury yeah. also had like a pretty nasty crossover where like he hangs the ball so high in the air that he can just do so many feints with his shoulders and his feet in that moment. And that guy, I mean, he literally turned somebody, he being Brunson, turned a Slovenian around <laughs> yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. he drove into the lane and then threw that nasty left-handed hook pass to the corner on a dime to Cam Johnson for three. Uh, so shout out Jalen Brunson. I'm feeling better and better about us putting him number one point guard in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I feel good about that until until Dame decides to get traded to the Miami Heat finally. I think that's the right move. Jalen Brunson at one. We then also ranked our top five NBA duos, not just Eastern Conference, but our top five NBA duos in response to Bleacher Reports list that came out last week. Go back to our YouTube channel. Check that out. And today, Greg, that brings us to our shooting guards. And we're just going to do the Eastern Conference. So this is top five shooting guards in the Eastern Conference. So here's what we need to do first. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the screen that we got here. And what we're going to need to do here is I want to go through and what I would like to do is first, let's make sure we have the right names on this list, right? Let's make okay. sure that we have all the names that we agree about, agree upon. So I think I went through and put most of the ones I think are fairly easy. Let's go to the Knicks real quick here. Jo I put Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo and, uh, and Quentin Grimes. I wasn't really sure who we'd qualify as, as their representative. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a thought one way or another as to who that should be? I would. I mean, personally, I think the best player of the three of those is Dante. Okay, interesting. You think Dante's better than Josh Hart? Oh, without question. Yeah, Ooh, I think Josh, okay. Josh I would Hart debate is that, like, but okay. It'll be, I mean, let's have that debate. So why do you like Josh Hart more than DiVincenzo? Uh, I mean, I just think Josh, like Dante DiVincenzo, he's, he's going to be a more consistent shooter as far as an offensive threat goes. But I think with Josh Hart, he's going to be very streaky when it comes to three-point. But I think he's going to, between the two... I like Josh Hart as a defender better. I like him better for his versatility on the offensive side of the ball, whether you need him crashing the glass, you need him as a cutter, you need him as the guy that's continuing to to keep the ball moving, being a cutter. Uh, I just think he gives you a little bit more versatility. I think Dante's probably going to be a more consistent, hey, I need a guy that's going to get me you know, 12 to 14 points a night. I can probably rely on that from Dante more often than I can from Josh Hart. He may have some games where it's 7 points, 7 rebounds, and, and 4 assists, kind of Derek White-ish. Like I feel like Josh Hart and Derek White are very similar, like how I feel about them in the shoot guard, pointing guard com conversations. Um, but I just like I like the versatility that Hart gives you a little bit more than Dante. But I was surprised to hear that that you would go Dante over over Josh Hart. Yeah, Josh Hart was great last year for the Knicks, but I don't even think it's close. Um, I think DiVincenzo is far far more skilled. Um, does a lot more on the offensive side of the ball than Josh Hart does. I think you're kind of pigeonholing him into a shooter but I don't think he's necessarily just a shooter. I think he's just as good. Um, you know, he's he's not as big as Josh Hart is, so yeah. I think the physical attributes that Hart has over DiVincenzo might make him more impactful in a certain role. Um, but I think DiVincenzo is just a better player overall. I, he's such a hustler. Like, he, he, I mean, they're both Villanova guys, right? So anybody yeah. coming from Villanova is going to have a certain, like, ethos with which they play by. And I think, I think DiVincenzo... For whatever reason, you know, I as the as the playoffs go on, I feel like Josh Hart, you can game plan for him a little bit more. Where DiVincenzo, I think, could continue to be on the court the the later and That's later fair. you go into the playoffs. And I think it's uh, an absolute travesty 
that you going Stephen A. Smith here that you compare Josh Hart to Derek White. I think Derek White's so much better than Josh Hart. <laughs> I got a soft spot for Josh Hart. I do think that they're 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 more so. I mean, Josh Hart's on this Team USA right now, so you know, I mean, not that that defines anything in this conversation, but just saying that you know, obviously he's thought of very highly across the league. But either way, we'll leave both of them because I don't think either okay. one are going to make our top five. So I think <laughs> so I think we could leave them leave them there. And then another another uh team here that i wasn't sure who to give one slot to i don't think either of these guys are going to make our top five but went to the nets as well dorian finney smith spencer uh, Dinwiddie. Finney, finney smith's a wing he, he's okay a that's kind forward, of that's kind yeah. of what i would think too as well but i know we went with ben simmons as their point guard so we'll yeah. leave it at spencer Dinwiddie here but greg let's start going through this process just the way that we did last time so we're going to go through and figure out who we're going to give the good old command shift X to, and then we'll get it down to our group that we have to figure out who was in that top five. So looking at this list here, who is the first guy that you would say has to go? Can I quickly say, I think if we're going to put somebody from the Pistons on Mm -hmm. this, it should be Cunningham, not Ivy. I think Ivy is more clearly a point guard than Cunningham is. All right, we'll switch that up here on the fly. And if we're classifying Cade in there, Cade's definitely going to be top five. Okay. So um, the only other thing, OG, I don't think he's a shooting guard, man. I think I think he's small forward wing. So my only argument for that would be if you look at their lineup last year and potentially what it predicts to be this year. So mm-hmm. then you're looking at, you know, last year, Fred VanVleet, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Pirtle. Mm-hmm. So that's where I put put OG there, okay. and that, and this is and this is more to your point. There's some guys that we could just say they're wings, but this is more trying to find one guy to nominally because I think Jalen Brown, who's on this list, we could say he's just a wing. He's not necessarily a shooting guard. So mm-hmm. I, I more put OG there. I would agree with you. I would classify him more as a wing. But if we're okay. picking one person to be a shooting guard, that's where I went with with OG in that respect. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I I personally had Gary Trent Jr. down as their shooting guard, even though he doesn't start for them, which mm-hmm. is kind of silly. But um, like to me, Gary Trent Jr. It's like oh, clearly a shooting guard. You know, OG. I think he's borderline power forward at this point. You know, he's such. Well, a I think this monster. is this is this is kind of the thing where we're. Then this is why positions are to a degree out of date, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think shooting guard is probably the hardest one to say that guy is definitively a shooting guard versus a small forward. Yep. Whereas, you know, small forwards and power forwards have always kind of, you know, fluctuated back and forth. Power forwards and centers, same thing, have always kind of fluctuated back and forth. Point guard is probably the, still the one position where it's like that guy is your point guard. You know, okay. that yeah. still feels so these ones are going to have a little bit of fluidity to it. So. Um, so, yeah. So should we leave OG or you want to you want to switch that to Gary Trent Jr.? Yeah, I, I don't I think you can like clearly make an argument for Jalen Brown being a shooting guard. I, I have a hard time saying OG is a shooting guard. This is why we're checking through this list here. So anyone else that you see on here that we would need to switch up? We've got Terry Rozier for the Hornets, Gary Harris for the Magic. Jordan Poole for the Wizards, Buddy Heald for the Pacers, Zach Levine for the Bulls. That could be someone that you, maybe you look to as more of a wing. I don't no, know. I, he's a shooter. Okay, you feel good yeah. about that? DeJounte Murray for the Hawks. Um, we've got, let's see, Donovan Mitchell for the Cavs, Tyrese Maxey for the Sixers, Jalen Brown for the Celtics, Pat Connaughton for the Bucks, Tyler Hero for the Heat. Anything that we're missing right now, Greg? No, I feel I feel good about this. Let, hey, before we hop into it, though, let's take our, our final break, and then we can just bang this out. Sounds good. All right, Greg, top five shooting guards in the East. Who are we going to give the old command shift X to? You're up first. 
Um, let's get rid of Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Spent all that time trying to figure out who it is, and he's getting the old command shift X right away. All right, Gary Trent Jr.'s gone. I got no argument there. I think I am totally fine with that. I'm going to actually go with my second pick. Let's let's just get rid of all the Garys. Gary Harris, see you later. You, you never had a chance, buddy. I'm sorry. This just wasn't going to happen for you, and we probably could have made a case that this is Cole. The Magic have so many guards that are just in like weird positions that it's hard to mm-hmm. figure out what to make of them, but it's not worth debating because none of them were making the top five. So let's go to your pick now, Greg. Uh, can you scroll up a little bit? Yeah. So up at the top here, I think there's a very obvious one yeah. that, that goes next. Is it going to be the ones at the very top of the list? Yeah, as, as much as I like Connaughton and, you know, he's a Massachusetts kid, went to St. John's Prep, uh, played with my college roommate, Mike Travellini it's at St. John's Prep. Shout out, Trav. Um, Connaughton's just not anywhere near the top five. Yeah, that's that's an easy one right now. I'm going to get rid of an old Celtic here. I'm going to get rid of Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier, I mean, listen, I, I think Terry, I want Terry to get out of Charlotte because I, I want to see Terry with Terry with the ball in a moment that matters because I think Terry is just not scared, man. And I do think you need guys like that on your roster. And I want to see what it would look like in a situation that matters. Just since he's been in Charlotte, it just has rarely mattered what's been going on with that team. They had a brief moment. I think LaMelo's rookie year where they were competitive. Miles Bridges was kind of on his way up. And obviously he had his, all the off court things that happened. So maybe this year's a little bit different, but I just think for the way that we're framing this conversation, it's it's just it's not going to happen. Okay, I am going to get rid of scroll up just a little bit. Hey, can you hit the little uh, up arrow by the green with envy icon in the top right? The yes. Okay, there we go. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the Knicks two guards, uh, yep. Hart or DiVincenzo. Both great role players, but nowhere near top five. Once again, glad that we debated that one to, <laughs> to figure out who we were going to cross out from this list. All right, so we're starting to whittle it down here. Here are the candidates that are left just to give you listening. If you're not watching on YouTube here, who is remaining? Right now, we have Jalen Brown, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tyler Hero, DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, Buddy Heald, Jordan Poole, and Cade Cunningham. Not going to lie, Cade in this mix over Ivy throws off my list a little bit here, but let's, let's leave that Do you feel that good be. about that, though? Do you feel good about Cade over Ivy? Um, I, I mean, once again, I think, this is, I think they're one of the few teams where it's back to the whole pos- like positions are outdated. They're, they're going to be flipping at like a possession to possession, I think, who's shooting guard, who's point guard. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we had both of them also on our point guard list because we didn't really know what to do with them. So yeah, I just think Cade can actually shoot and Ivy can't really shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's year two, so we'll see what he comes back with. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's something that improves. So I don't feel bad about it. It's just, I, I have, I really like Cade. I mean, I was going to put him on our, he was, he was the guy that I said, if, I mean, you said by December, and I was saying basically if he just proves he's healthy, he's in that top five point guard list, I think, if mm-hmm. we're looking at those players. So it's just trying to figure out where he ranks now using him. But let's go ahead. Let's get rid of Buddy Heal. Buddy Heal serves a purpose. I've always, you know, I, I, I enjoy Buddy Heal for who Buddy Heal is. I don't think he's anything more. I don't think he's necessarily anything less. But, you know, he's a guy that's going to knock down shots for you. He's going to do it for you at a super high clip is what it is. Yeah, and I was actually thinking, like, is it Buddy Heald or is it Benedict Matherin? You know, like Matherin had a great rookie year. Um, it very well could switch. I thought about Bruce Brown too, but then I thought of him as more of a wing because of his versatility. Um, yeah. so once again, Pacers another team where it felt like there was a couple of candidates that we could have put here. 
Yeah, but I agree getting rid of Buddy Heald at this point, even though he is probably the best pure shooter on the list. Um, yeah. Just overall, not the best. Yeah, dude, the dude's wet, man. He, he shoots you know 14 times a game, 11 or threes. But he, uh, he knocks it. Still one of my favorite clips from this past season was the opening tip that went to him, and then he immediately shot just straight out of 2K. He made it, so hey, good for him. All right, can you scroll up just a little bit? Yep, so we still got here at the top. Okay, Jaylen. so uh, very, very clear. Next guy to cut is uh, Brooklyn Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie. I actually really like Dinwiddie. Uh, I think that he probably underrated as his ability to get his own shot. I think it's one of his best skills, and if he was a more complete player, I might put him higher up here in, in the debate, but you know, he kind of can only do one thing on the court, and that's create his own shot. So Dinwiddie is going to get the X. Yeah, I've also also I've also always liked Spencer Dinwiddie as a guy. I don't know where he where he's supposed to be in the hierarchy of a team, which I think is part of why he keeps mm. getting moved. Because like I like him, but I don't know because like he played off Luca very well in Dallas, right? Yeah. And then when he was when that uh, Nets team was like him and D'Angelo Russell that got real scrappy before they went all in with the Durant and um, you know Kyrie moves and everything. Like I really liked what I was seeing from Dinwiddie. So he, he feels like a guy that it's. He's gonna he's gonna find his way into if he finds his way into the right situation he's gonna have a moment you know what I mean where everyone's like damn did we sleep on Dinwiddie this whole time but it's mm-hmm. just it just it depends if he's ever gonna find himself in that right moment but right now all right here we're down to we got Jalen Brown Tyrese Maxey Donovan Mitchell Tyler Hero Dejounte Murray Zach Levine and Cade Cunningham and now. Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole. Well, I'm glad Jordan Poole's here because that's I think that's my next cut. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally fair. I, I was gonna say that. Because it's getting it's getting to that time where it's it's really gonna be hard to figure out who the five is here going forward. I think Jordan Poole, he's the next likely cut. You know, right now is definitely a down moment in the stock of Jordan Poole. Yeah. He's which at times that probably gets overstated. It is going to be interesting to see him with kind of his own team. You know what I mean? With him being more empowered to be that main guy. I think he's going to get a lot of shots. I think he's going to score a lot of points. I just don't know if it's going to be a lot of winning. That's probably my biggest concern when it comes to Jordan Poole. So with that, Greg, I think we, I think we have the group that we now need to start figuring out who gets into that fifth spot. So we've got Cade Cunningham. We've got Zach Levine. We've got DeJounte Murray, Tyler Hero, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, and Jalen Brown. I think there's a couple of guys here that we can leave to the side that we that I think are probably going to be... I have a top four that I feel pretty good about, and then there's a group here that I think is the, is the debate for number five, but I want to hear what your thoughts are first. Okay, I have a top three. I'd be interested to hear your top four, but I think the guys that absolutely have to be on this list, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, and Zach Levine. Yep. So those are the same three that I have. The other one that I would add is I, I think Dejounte Murray's on this on that list. I have I have him as a pretty solid number four. The Cade thing is throwing me off because it's like projecting. I actually like I like Cade more than I like Dejounte if I'm projecting. But you know, obviously he's still coming back from that injury. But Dejounte Murray, I think with his ability to be also you know a reliable primary ball handler, he's a great def- He's a great defender. Uh, you know, I look at that Celtics Hawk series and I'm I'm definitely a little bit influenced. He was the guy that I was scared of more than Trey Young. Like mm-hmm. Trey, Trey had that great game five at the end. 
But throughout that series, it was when DeJounte Murray got going, that was when the Hawks were like, okay, they, they could have something kind of cooking here. A lot of times that was with Trey Young off the courts. So maybe that made him their de facto point guard in those situations. Yeah. But I, I think DeJounte Murray is a guy that I would be pretty comfortable with at four, but I'm open to seeing, you know, what the debate is for those last couple spots, but we're okay. basically in the same area. Yeah. So let's just, uh, we definitely have Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, and Zach Levine in the yeah. top five. So let's put them to the side for a minute. Cause we'll, we'll okay. talk about them. All right. So I think the easiest way to consider the guys that are remaining is who would you actually rather have your, on your team for this upcoming season? If you're trying to win basketball games, who do you trust the most to make an impact? Take injuries out of it. Don't even mm-hmm. worry about injuries. Yeah. Who do you think is actually the best remaining players? Cause like personally, I would probably go Cade as the next guy that I would want. And I know we're super high on Cade and like he just had his moment. But even dating back to his rookie year with the Pistons, there were some games and maybe it's just because it happened against the Celtics where he looked like he was the best player on the court for moments, you know, like that was the year where Jeremy Grant was still there and Grant did a really good job covering Tatum uh, that year. So Tatum never really looked great against the Pistons. So kind of by default since Tatum wasn't the best player on the court because Grant would do like guard him really well mm-hmm. at times I was like damn Cade Cade's really about to be that guy and then he missed his second season right so to me coming into this season I think I would rather have Cade especially with his frame being six seven six eight yeah and I mean so I'm not saying Cade Cunningham is Luka Doncic but I think he has that Luka quality to him that if he's on the court and he's right, he's he's single-handedly controlling the tempo to what he wants it to be. Yeah. He kind of has that. And, and it, it, I feel like there's only a handful of guys that I've really seen. Luke is the, the most recent example. I mean, LeBron's LeBron, right? Like, I'm, I can't well, even utter LeBron's did you, name. But. Did you hear the the report from Team USA about, like, how they used Cade? Uh, as, as, like, the Luka Doncic, basically. Yeah, like, this, like, as uh, for the scout team. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think that makes a lot of sense when I heard that because I was like, that's that's exactly what I think about when I watch Cade and I see the way that I'm like, man, Cade is like, if he wants to speed it up, the, the game's going to speed up. If he wants it to slow it down, it's going to slow it down. And he's he's kind of the one controlling the yo-yo. And so I'm, I'm with you that I think, you know, I've already said how I feel about DeJounte. So I think based on like this conversation we're having right now, I think I would put I would I would leave DeJounte four just because I still am a little weary of, of Cade coming back, but I wouldn't have an issue putting Cade five, DeJounte four, and then that would eliminate the Tyler Hero, Tyrese Maxey conversation that we could also have. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, we can debate who you'd rather have, Hero or Maxi, if you want. Um, but I, I agree those are probably the next two cuts. Maxi had some real moments for for the Sixers. You know, he's close to 50, 40, 90 guy. Hero Dating back to the bubble, you know, people calling him bubble boy and stuff like that. I forget if he's bubble boy or if Donovan um, uh, Duncan Robinson is bubble boy, but maybe they're both bubble boys. I think like hero versus happened to the bubble boy. (laughs) It was moops. There's a, (laughs) there's a real debate between Maxi and hero in my mind. Like I think a lot of people are down on Tyler hero right now. Just, just because of how the heat went on their run without him. But I always like Tyler hero. He rebounds, um, really well for his size, obviously not a great defender, but I think over time hero is going to prove to be a better player than I think people are currently thinking of him as right now. I just don't think like to me, I think there's still a debate between Murray hero and maxi. 
I'm not like a hundred percent convinced that Murray that I'd rather have Murray over here on Maxi. Yeah, I mean the argument for me with Murray over Maxi and Hero is the defensive side of the ball. I just I just think offensively he's going to be a little bit less than those guys, but I think he's far superior on the defensive end to both of those guys. And I like Tyler Hero a lot. And I was thinking about you know I mean Tyler Hero is a twenty five and five guy, right? Like basically. Mm-hmm from his second year, last three years, he's been 25 and five and you're right. Like, I think he's getting dinged for, you know, his reputation, especially when it comes up in these Dame trades as not being quite the asset you would want for Dame, which I do get, but he is a really good player. And you think about the run they made, right? I was thinking about, this is kind of crazy. The last nine games of the heat's run, they went two and seven. So once they went up three Oh against the Celtics, they went two and two and seven to go ahead and, and close out their season. And when you think about a lot of the losses they had, what were they missing? They were missing another guy that could get them offense. They were missing another guy that could get them buckets. Once Caleb Martin ran out of magic, once Max Struess ran out of magic, once Kyle Lowry couldn't dig back in and, and find, you know, five minutes of vintage Kyle Lowry, it was all right. Either Jimmy Butler's doing his, his Michael Jordan impression, or maybe it's that one game per series where Bam Adebayo is going to have 25 to 30. And yeah. it was, you know, like as much as you want to say, like, yeah, they went on this run without Tyler hero. And so maybe he's not as important. He was kind of exactly what they were missing when they really needed to get to that next level so i think in a way you could frame it that tyler hero is the missing piece in miami to a certain degree of, of of what they needed but i think when you look at him and maxi who i love we both love maxi i think maxi and this is where i kind of hope james harden gets moved at some point because i want to see i just think max is in a tough spot playing off of both joel Embiid and james harden because yeah. i love the I love that Joel Embiid is going to be everyone's focus. How do we stop the MVP? He's going to try and bully us. He's going to try and go to the line. We got to make sure that we're focused on him. And then before you know it, you snap your neck around and Tyrese Maxey shot up the court for a layup or a three-pointer in transition. And I love kind of that contrast between the two. But I think then when you throw Harden in the mix, it's like where does that leave room for Maxey to kind of you know get, get done what he needs to get done? And then once again, just with those three guys, Murray's defense is the differentiator for me. I think okay. he's, and I think he's a slightly better facilitator. Even though we're talking about shooting guard, you just you can never have enough ball handlers and guys that can can create in some capacity. So I like yeah, Murray I, at five. I, okay, yeah, and I also think with Murray, especially what we saw him do against the Celtics in the playoffs, there's just like he has that like nastiness to him where you know that he's at the point where in his career where he knows exactly who he is as a player. And I think Maxi and Hero are probably one or two years away from like truly being confident in their own skin and being like, this is this is what I do on a basketball court, you yeah. know, and this is how I help a team. And I think Murray, just that confidence that he has in what he brings to the court probably vaults him over those guys. So I agree with you. Uh, Maxi, Hero, you guys get the command shift X. And so we have our top five and so no we're gonna order go Cade right at, now. We're going to go Cade at five or we're going to go Murray at five. That's that's the one thing to decide I think right Mar- now. I think Cade's better play than Murray. All right, we'll go DeJounte yeah. at five and we'll go Cade at four. I think there's a debate between Cade and Levine, though. See, I'm not – this is where I feel like with – because like with, with Cade and Murray, I'll make that concession – because I, I do think we have to take into account that, yes, everything sounds great with Cade right now, but lower leg injuries are are still scary, even, even when you're younger. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm a little bit too. I, I'm not ready to put it, and I'm not even a big Levine. This it's funny what these what these lists will do to you when they make you start you start defending Harden. I'm defending Zach Levine right now, guys. That neither of us are. Well, are I mean, huge two, fans let, of. Let's, let's just rewind real quick. Two years ago, maybe three years ago, at this point now, you chose Tyler Hero over Zach Levine. So it's fun. It Tell me why you've you've kind of flipped in your opinion of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, I think just Zach Levine's skill set is just undeniable. Like it just it, he's. From a talent perspective, he's right up there. He, he could be the most talented guy technically on this list. I think the biggest knock for Levine with me is just like, show me, show me what he's done that's contributed to something that where where his team wins or his team's better. You know, yeah. like with Zach Levine, I was thinking about this earlier when we were, when I was putting together like my own top five, and other than what that two month stretch where the Bulls had Lonzo Ball healthy, like when has Zach Levine ever been relevant in any type of you know, conversation that, that really mattered for his team's success. And he's not like he's, he's been in probably not the best situations, but he's played with Andrew Wiggins. He's played with Carl Anthony Towns. He's played with, you know, um, DeMar DeRozan. He's played, he's played with enough guys that if you're really going to be, you know, above, you know, the guys that we're talking about one, two, he's not quite there. But then with Cade, like, I think Cade will be better than Levine. So if this was a future power rankings, I would have no problem. But I think if we're just looking at, next year until it's it's kind of the same thing you said uh for the top five point guards in the east when we were saying what about Cade by yeah. december you can probably i'll probably be able to tell you whether or not i think Cade should be ahead of zach levine but i think yeah. going into the year i can do it with murray i don't think i'm quite there with levine because just the the talent is just too undeniable but his health is a question and yeah. i just haven't seen haven't seen it connected to winning in any in any tangible manner yet yeah with i mean levine for the first half of last year was really struggling, but he was coming off of a pretty serious leg injury. Right. So I've always thought that Zach Levine, the best version of him, if you give like, if, if this upcoming season, if we look back basketball reference 20 years from now, and we look back at Zach Levine's career and this season is peak Zach Levine, I think he could be the best player in this list. Like just for this one season, just like back in the day, you looked at like a Tracy McGrady, who I think overall is like clearly a better player than Zach Levine. I'm not comparing them, mm-hmm. but just for argument's sake, like there were a couple of years where you look back at T-Mac, you're like, damn, was he the best shooting guard in the league? I don't think Zach Levine's ever going to be the best shooting guard in the league, but for this specific conversation, he could have the best year out of anybody here. He has that type of talent. And there were a couple moments last year where he just freaking took over games, man. And like when he... When he turns it on, it's something special. It's not quite like a Clay Thompson getting hot or a Steph Curry getting hot, but it's right there where mm-hmm. when Zach Levine's going, there's nothing that you can do because he can shoot from 30 feet. He can get to the rim whenever he wants. He th- he's a three-level scorer, and he's just such a fucking freak that I th- I think I'm cool having Cade 4 and Zach Levine 3 here. Um, I don't think there's an argument right now that you could – vault Levine over Mitchell or Brown. So I'm ready to have the the Brown and Mitchell conversation. Yeah, let's do that. So let's go DeJounte at five, Cade Cunningham at four, Zach Levine at three. And that leaves us with the two all NBA members that are on this list right now from this past season, Donovan Mitchell versus Jalen Brown. And this is a fun one. And I know that the other day you put out, um, or, or through our podcast account, we put out the, you know, rank these four guys basically, right? And we had Devin Booker, we had Jalen Brown, we had Donovan Mitchell, and we had Jamal Murray on that. And it was really interesting to see 
you know, the responses that we got. I think for the most part, the only, and it wasn't a hundred percent consensus, but it was probably 90% of people put Devin Booker at number one. And I think that was mm-hmm. the right move out yeah. of those four. I think Devin Booker is more in a Jason Tatum conversation than he is, you know, a conversation, um, with Donovan Mitchell and, and Jalen Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that was the right call. But then when you look at Jamal Murray, who, you know, would be, if we were to do the Western conference, it's, crazy how many good point guards there are in the western conference interesting to see where he ranks out there but you know even with our duos we were talking about you know murray versus jalen brown which kind of spurred uh that tweet that, that we sent out from the podcast account and so now you look at donovan mitchell and i feel like between donovan mitchell and jalen brown they could have been two they could have been four in that tweet any which way that you looked at it depending on who it was that was responding so when you look at donovan mitchell versus jalen brown where are you leaning as far as who's one, two? Is it definitive in your mind or is it, do we need to talk it out right now? It's interesting. So coming into this year, it was pretty definitive. I thought Mitchell was better than Brown. Um, there are certain moments that Mitchell can get to as like this dynamo number one creator on a team that, that Jalen just never is going to be able to get to. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, he's such a force. He has that speaking of, D Wade from earlier in the podcast, like he has that ability to get downhill and to, as our, our guy Raul Takahashi once said, it's when D Wade goes to that like motorcycle. This, um, I think this might be your favorite analogy anyone's ever made. It, oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> back back in the day, our our guy Raul Takahashi used to be a SB Nation blogger for Hot Hot Hoops or yep, Hot like Hot that. Hoops Miami Heat Syndicate. Yeah, but he compared the way. D Wade moved on the court to like Batman riding a motorcycle. And I thought that was just such a perfect analogy for how he just like tilted the court in his favor. And I think Mitchell has not quite what D Wade had, but he, there are moments where you watch him play and you're like, damn, that reminded me of D Wade. Um, and I don't think Jalen can ever really get to that point. So that, but that's just a skill set, right? Mm-hmm. That's not that who they are as complete players. So when you factor in everything else that Jalen is able to do that Mitchell probably can't do just because he's a little bit undersized a, as a two guard, um, I think in, in the way that Mitchell didn't play well in the playoffs this year, where I thought, oh, there's no way Mitchell's going to struggle in a playoff scenario. Like when the, I always thought Mitchell, when the moment got bigger, that he would rise to the occasion. And this year he didn't. And I was really surprised by that. So I'm actually willing to have the debate right now. Who's the better player between Brown and Mitchell, though. I still think I lean Mitchell. Let me ask you this from a Celtics perspective. If you could choose for the next three years, who would you rather have as Jason Tatum's running mate? Everything else on the team is the same. Would you rather have Donovan Mitchell or would you rather have Jalen Brown? You really going to make me answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'll answer, I'll answer it after you, but yes, I want you to answer that question. Um, Pure fit. I feel like I'd rather have Jalen still. I think I'd rather have Jalen. Yeah. Um, I think Tatum, so much of what he's good at and what I've seen him develop into is with the ball in his hands. And I think Tatum, you know, running a pick and roll, very similar to a Cade, similar to a Luca. I think he's going to be able to make these high level decisions, running pick and roll and, being okay, we don't need Derek White to be the primary initiator because we have Jason Tatum. And I think Mitchell would probably not do as well in a secondary role 
I think Mitchell probably does best in a primary role. And you see that issue with him and Garland where they don't necessarily complement each other because Garland's clearly the better table setter than Mitchell is. So I think Jalen, because he came into the league playing off the ball as much as he did, I think over the next three years, and I'm feeling good as I'm talking. I'm like talking myself into it. I'm feeling good. You're talking me into it a little bit because I I was going to go Donovan Mitchell, but you are kind of talking me into this a little bit more because you're right. You know, Donovan Mitchell without the ball, what what does that really look like? And that probably was part of the issue with the Cavs, aside from their spacing, that they have with the issue of, of, of Mobley and Allen. We talked about this when we were going over Darius Garland um, you know, in our top five point guards conversation. And so, you know, because my first thought was that it would be Donovan Mitchell, and the reason would be, you know, the now infamous talking about Jalen Brown's left hand and how many turnovers does, he, does it does that create when he forces the ball or tries to dribble? And it's like, well, hey, you can eliminate that. Donovan Mitchell's much better at that than than Jalen Brown is if you ask him to create off the off the dribble and make it into either his own shot or or get into the lane and then create something. Like he's gonna he is better than that at Jalen Brown, but then you're taking the ball out of the hands of Jason Tatum. And then, you know, is, is Derek white just a spot up shooter now? You know what I mean? Like where, where, where are you moving Derek white? Like, you know, with Brogdon, maybe that works a little bit better because Brogdon is, you know, shout out to Brogdon, Brogdon 89 overall rating with uh, his three point shot in 2k. Saw that. That's a, wait, his, his three point shot was an 89. His three, yeah. He's not an 89. His three point okay. shot is an 89. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Top, top five in the game, which is shout out to Malcolm Brogdon for that. Um, but it, it does actually, cause I thought it was going to be, not easy, but I felt pretty good that I would say Donovan Mitchell. And now as you're talking through it, I do think it's 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 more of a debate. It's an interesting debate to feel who would be the better running mate for Jason Tatum. I think on this on this particular list with the top five, I'm gonna go Donovan Mitchell one, JB two. And I think part of that is like you said, it was very disappointing to see the Cavs in general were so disappointing for the postseason because I really thought everybody they were kind of a dark horse, like shit, I really hope we avoid the Cavs, you know, come postseason time. And maybe that happens this year. Maybe it was just a year too early. They got to figure some stuff out, do some tweaks. Uh, I know a lot of people love their offseason. I think people are a little too high on their offseason for me. I, I just who they bring in again? They brought in uh George Niang and Max Struess, like fine. <laughs> you know, like, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. Who'd they bring in again? It was a joke, because I don't think either of those guys are, gotcha. are that good. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. right, over, right, right over the head. Shout out to RIP. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, we're, on the, we're on the same page with that. So, you know, I, I, but I still think with Donovan Mitchell, like, if you take out his postseason last year, he has been big, big time in the postseason, right? He, he's on, I mean, he's rivaled Jamal Murray with some of the Jamal Murray stuff that we talk about, yeah. which is why, you know, Jamal Murray is... Uh, so elevated that even though he doesn't have any all-star games or all NBA, that dude in the postseason is unreal. And then obviously it yeah. compliments Nikola Jokic's game. But that's usually been what Mitchell was. Wasn't this past postseason. Not ready to fully just write that off. And so I think for that reason and the fact that, you know, as a number one versus a number two that that JB is with with the Celtics, I think I'm going to put Donovan Mitchell. And, and he wins. You know, he, he, even if he hasn't won you know, getting to the conference finals. He's been the number one guy on a number one seed in the Western conference. The Cavs immediately went from playing to a three, four seed range, you know? So he does influence winning in my opinion. So I'm going to go one Donovan Mitchell to Jalen Brown. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. I think the, the conversations are different, right? Who would you rather have complimenting Tatum versus who's the better overall player in a vacuum? I think Mitchell's probably the overall better player. Jalen's right behind him, though. I think they're the the debate is worthwhile. You know, I think Mitchell's right now has done a little bit more individually than Jalen has done, but I don't think it's impossible for Jalen to jump him this year. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's the way to look at it. JB second team All NBA this past season. Donovan Mitchell first team All NBA. I think I think it just kind of speaks for itself. But yeah, you're right. I think it's close. And like you said, if Jalen, if we do this list again next offseason, not going to be surprised if Jalen Brown is one and Donovan Mitchell is two. But we'll see. Maybe Kate Cunningham will be number one. We'll see. He keeps he keeps popping up in all of our lists. Maybe maybe we'll talk about him even when we get to the small forwards. But that's going to do it for this edition of Green with Envy. This is fun, man. I love doing these lists in the offseason. It's really fun to take a look at and see where the league's at. And just as you write it out, this league is so freaking talented right now, mm-hmm. um, making me excited for, for the upcoming FIBA World Cup, which will then roll right into the NBA season. So uh, it's been a hey, pleasure, man. Real- yeah, it's, it has been a pleasure. How are you watching the FIBA World Cup? What are you using? Uh, so it's on FS1. So uh, shout out to our guy, Mark. He uh, hooked me up with a with a cable login. So I, okay. I missed most of the game yesterday because I didn't realize it was on. Uh, and then I caught like the last four minutes of the game. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, FS1 is where you can catch, I believe, most of the games. That's where at least the pre uh, the preseason or exhibition games have been um so yeah go check that out that should be fun coming up here in the next couple of weeks to get us through the dog days of summer before we hit training camp and then roll right into the season greg any any final thoughts before uh before you send us out of here with some new jams that if you've been listening to the podcast you were lucky enough to get a sneak preview of yeah, that's all I got. Uh, Black Sheep Optimist just released our newest single called Get This High. has a great Jason Tatum reference in in my verse. Uh, so we're going to play you out with, with some new music from Black Sheep Optimist. This one's called Get This High. If you look at the show details, you can find a direct link to it on Spotify. Please, everybody, add it to your playlist. Tweet it out. Um, as independent artists that are still kind of rising in the industry, it's really important, you know, just like the pod subscribing to the pod. If you could subscribe to the black sheep optimist, uh, Instagram page, Spotify feed, whatever it is, please do so. Peace everybody. Peace y'all. You got me on the floor, you know I came to play I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away I close my eyes and I'm floating your river I call to see if you open, you know I hope you deliver Every time you getting close, I still be sick with the shivers But there's nothing like that first time I still remember the first time I saw you You were looking so fine, chill like lo-fi Watch you go by it was all I could do to say hi I still remember the first time I saw you You were looking so fine Chill like no fine all I did all I could do to stay high Oh, oh Until I hit the floor